0: that's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Avoid. prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey, Jason, just wanted to send you a quick message of gratitude. I woke up this morning to
1: all of the panic in the stock market, seeing that the market was down a thousand points and CNBC was getting me all worked up. And then I realized, wait, I'm not in that game. I'm in the real estate game. And I just, even with its challenges, I'm so grateful that I got into the game and got in with properties that make sense because... The rent income keeps coming in, and real estate is certainly not a perfect investment, but I'll tell you what, I don't wake up in panic because I just lost thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars pretty much overnight, which I know a lot of people did. So thank you, glad we connected, and I'm glad to be in the income property game instead of the Wall Street game for my future.
0: of tenants and been involved in thousands of real estate transactions. This program will help you follow in Jason's footsteps on the road to your financial independence day. You really can do it. And now here's your host, Jason Hartman, with the complete solution for real estate investors.
1: Welcome to episode number 1397, 1,397. And I am here with George Gammon coming to you from Medellin, Colombia I still want to say Medellin I say Medellin you say Medellin yeah. and they haven't labeled you as a total gringo and run you out of town no? <laughs> well,
2: they've they've labeled me. They just oh. run me out of town. Oh, okay, got it, got it, got it. <laughs> At least got not it. yet. Okay. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, hey, George, I had you on the show the other day, and um, you know it's been great spending five days here in Medellin, mm-hmm. and I gotta say, I am so pleasantly surprised. This is a delightful place. You know, I grew up as a kid hearing about the Medellin cartel and all of these terrible things. I saw movies with Chuck Norris and getting rid of the drug smugglers and all this kind of stuff. This place is charming. I mean, you got incredible restaurants, artistic architecture, artistic food, people that are exceptionally nice and helpful. Yeah. You know, I remember years ago when I was like 22 years old and I went to Europe for the first time as an adult I mm. was born in Europe, but I remember the Italians were always super helpful. Mm. Those were like the really helpful people and the French they were like get out of here, you know, they didn't care about you. <laughs> <laughs> but the Colombians are just so nice and so helpful, you know, when I'm struggling reading something they just come up and say can I help you? You know, with Spanish and, and really really pleasant surprise. But since this show is about real estate investing and economics, we talked a little bit about your real estate deals in the US Mm -hmm. and here in Colombia. And I got to thinking, and we talked about this a little bit the other day, about inflation. And of course, South America and Central America has been infamous for their terrible inflation yeah. disasters, yeah. right? Yeah. You know, I sent you over a chart this morning that's pretty interesting. And we were talking about how the the humble peso, mm-hmm. and by the way, since I have some here, we might as well just pull them out of the wallet. Yeah, take the 50 you know? right there. Yeah, so, so this is... 50 pesos. No, 50,000. Oh, this is 50, yeah. Well, this is 50 mil pesos. Yes, 50,000. So that's 1,000, okay. Mm -hmm. So this ain't worth very much, is it?
2: (laughs) About
1: 15 bucks. $15 or so. Mm -hmm. Now, you can always, well, it gives you a hint at least. When you're looking at any currency, if it's denominated in really high numbers, Mm -hmm. you just have to think that when they created that currency, a single unit, a single peso, must have had... I don't know, roughly the equivalent of like the concept of a dollar, I guess.
2: Yeah, well they didn't have that many zeros to begin with.
1: Right. Yeah. It's not
2: like they started and saying, well, what should our main right. you know, what should the main number be? Let's start One with billion fifty <laughs> thousand. Yeah, no. We just as, like zeros. <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> that that that's my point though, right? Is that it's just a clue that there must have been rampant inflation mm-hmm. in that country, right? That's right. Looking back, just let's look at that chart for a
2: moment. Yeah, Yeah. this is primitive, but
1: uh, there's your chart. Okay, this is from ColumbiaReports.com, I believe, is the website. Mm -hmm. But George, inflation rates of thirty to forty percent here in in the past, yeah. What are your thoughts about that? And you know, just anything you want to say to our listeners about inflation in general? Do you agree with Milton Friedman that it's always a monetary phenomenon? No. No. Okay. Tell us about that.
2: No, because there's, I think you can disprove that pretty easily, especially with what we've had since 2008, because they've increased the money supply incredibly. If you look at a chart of M2, it's just unbelievable. I mean, it's hockey stick from left to right.
1: So a lot of money has been created, Mm -hmm. and we've had some inflation, but it isn't. In balance with yeah. the money
2: creation. So there's two components yeah. there. You, you, Friedman got it right. It is about money, but it's also about velocity. Okay. He saw a lot of velocity was consistent.
1: Right, and so if velocity is low, even if money creation is high, mm-hmm. since it's not moving through the economy, mm-hmm. you don't get a high inflationary effect.
2: Yeah, that's exactly right. I always just use a very simple example and say, let's, let's just pretend that you or the Fed printed a trillion dollars okay. and just stuffed it under your mattress. Right. We're not going to have price inflation because the money is under your mattress.
1: It's not circulating in the broader economy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. It's just
2: in your closet or buried in your backyard. Or- okay. So
1: <laughs> that, that example, sure. But what have they done? I mean, is it still hanging at the banks and it's not trickling down, if you will, to use a well-worn cliche. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so so
2: that's the, the easiest way that I can explain that is that there's there's two different economies. There's a financial economy and there, there's the real economy. Right. And the way that you would have to get velocity or the only way to really get velocity up is through the real economy. Mm-hmm. So what the Fed does is it increases their balance sheet, basically it prints money, it creates it out of thin air, it creates reserves. And those reserves are held with the Fed at the bank accounts of the member banks. Right. So, so it's so, that's their, the, the member banks, like a, it's called a JP Morgan. Right. They, they
1: have their own bank account and they're just sitting the on Fed, the money, right? At the Fed, yeah, yeah right.
2: they have a, so it's their reserves. Mm-hmm. So then what happens, let's use Wells Fargo Bank of America's example. So you bank with the B of A, mm-hmm. I'm with Wells Fargo. I write you a check. And let's say it's a check for 10 grand. And then that 10 grand would go, the Fed would move that from Wells Fargo's reserve account to B of A's reserve account to match up the deposit. Right. So on our end, the consumer end, it's a deposit or a bank liability. Right. And on the on the side of the banks, on the back end, that just goes, that's a liability of the Federal Reserve. That's technically an asset of the bank on their balance sheet. So that 10000 would go from the reserve account of Wells Fargo to Bank of America's reserve account. So that's happening on the back end there. So they could print 20. Go ahead. One thing
1: I just want to say, you know, just remember from a bank's perspective, it's opposite of the way we think of it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: When a bank has a deposit, that's a liability to the bank. Right. When they make a loan, that's an asset to the bank. We think of it the opposite way, so yeah. I just wanted to go ahead.
2: Yeah, but what's really interesting is, and this is probably a topic for a completely different discussion, uh-huh. but when they create a loan, they also create a deposit at the same time. So okay. technically, the deposits are created by loans, by debt.
1: Money is lent into existence, yes. which is a very far-flung idea that is really hard to get your head around. But yeah, it Maybe is. that's how... A- that's like three more episodes we got to do on that. <laughs> that's a big one. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay.
2: So, what happens is the Fed, if they created 20 trillion mm-hmm. and just had it in reserves and excess reserves, then that's really not going to get out. That's under your mattress mm-hmm. because it's held at the Fed, it's not into the system. It's not
1: in the economy.
2: Yeah, going back to our earlier point, in order to get that into the economy, the retail banks would have yeah. to increase retail lending. Car loans, right. home loans, et cetera, and that's what would get it into the real economy. But, but then people would have to spend it faster to increase that velocity. So, is that going to happen? Is it not? That depends on demographics. It depends a lot on psychology. Mm-hmm. There's multiple variables: consumer
1: yeah. confidence, the wealth Absolutely. effect. Yeah, a lot of lot of things. Absolutely, into that. yeah. But yeah. it has
2: to go from the financial economy into the real economy, right. and the t- only transmission mechanism that they currently have. Uh-huh is retail lending, right? So if there's no retail lending, it really doesn't matter how much money they print, it typically won't show up too much in the CPI.
1: Okay, so the inflation doesn't happen unless that money gets into the retail sector. You talked about the financial economy and the real economy. I sometimes refer that as to, you know, Wall Street versus Main Street. You know, there's two economies. Absolutely. And this is why the distribution of wealth becomes very, you know, you have a lot of favorites, right? Absolutely. The rich, the banksters, the Wall Street class, they've benefited from all of this. And it hasn't trickled down to the Main Street economy where Joe Sixpack lives. So it's a really unequal distribution, isn't it?
2: I would say it's even more perverse than that because Joe Sixpack or Joe Retiree is going to make a lot more money if interest rates are at 6% than at 0%. Okay. Okay because yeah. they're not making any money on their savings. And what most people don't think about, the interest rates right now in the United States are negative yeah. in real terms. Right. So if you After have,
1: inflation and taxes. That's right.
2: So if you're a saver and you've had this plan for the last 30 years to retire. And
1: you did the right thing. You saved, you, did the right you delayed gratification. Mm-hmm. It's totally unfair to older people.
2: Yeah, because and yeah. then they're basing their number on, let's say, a 7% return on their money. Mm-hmm. That's how they're going to have enough money to retire. Well, right. if they're only for the last 15 years, if they're only getting 0% or 1% or 2%, then then and that's compounded. Mm-hmm. That means there's a lot less there for retirement. And so they're actually gonna end up spending less money, taking out less debt and therefore that decreases velocity Velocity. even further. So it's one of those unintended consequences where the Fed's trying to increase inflation Mm -hmm. by dropping interest rates low, and they're actually doing the opposite.
1: Yeah. So what can our listeners do? (laughs) What, what, What can people do to help themselves? It's so unfair that retirees are having to invest in speculative things and risky things. That yeah, they, they go for that the risk curve. They should be able to do laddered CDs and bonds. And they should be able to just own treasuries. and, and Treasuries and retire and, and get the benefits of all the fruits of their labor for the last many yeah. decades. And we haven't even
2: gone into insurance companies or pension funds either, yeah. which they're technically savers. So if the pension funds, if the pension funds, they make the promises to the people, those promises are predicated upon seven percent return, Mm -hmm. and those pension funds haven't got even close to that. And
1: we have a global pension crisis. I mean, it's not just an Illinois and California California, thing. It's It's a, it's a not just a U.S. thing. It's an every country problem. Right. So you
2: force those pension funds to go further out the risk curve. Yeah. So if we have a recession, which eventually we will, Mm -hmm. then they're not only not going to get that seven percent, they're going to get crushed because they took on too much risk. And however much they're short now, they're gonna be even more short. So let's say they're 50% funded. Mm-hmm. That means you are getting 50% of your your pension that you expect. Well, that's most likely gonna be a lot less when we hit the next recession because they've, they've had to take on so much more risk. As an example, instead of just going into treasuries, now they go into junk debt. Yeah. Like, right. like junk junk bonds. Or derivatives. Like or, or, uh, the
1: Orange County tax assessor was investing in in the mid-90s, Bob Citron. It's a famous, you know, Orange County, where I yeah. lived at the time, declared bankruptcy. Yeah. I mean,
2: or they'll invest in private equity. They're going, right. They'll invest in like SoftBank. And yeah. then SoftBank takes that pension funding, yeah. pension money and yeah. invests it in WeWork. Yeah. If yeah. you want to call it an investment.
1: WeWork was a joke yeah. <laughs> from the beginning. Well, it's not yeah. as much of a joke
2: as yeah. their other companies. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, Did you hear about WAG?
1: No, I don't even know WAG. What's WAG?
2: Okay. So WAG yeah. was another... Brainchild uh-huh. of SoftBank. Okay, and that was a dog walking app.
1: Oh yes, I know Wag. Yes, from because I actually used it as a consumer. But yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. So all it is yeah. is just an right. app yep.
2: where you find someone to walk your dog. You're
1: right. It's okay. a sharing economy concept where you just get freelancers to just. Right. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Right. So SoftBank invested three hundred million into that. You
1: could build an app like that for far less than $300 million. Right. Yeah, that's insane. Yeah, this is just... And
2: obviously that investment hasn't gone well. They've taken a huge haircut on WeWork. And that's all pension. Not all, but that's a lot of that could be uh, your pension money.
1: Okay, so pensions insurance
2: companies. Yeah, insurance companies, because that's how they're going to make a lot of their money is by taking all those premiums and what they don't have to pay back out. You know, they invest that. That's Warren Buffett. Right. And then you, you get that return. Well, if interest rates are zero or even negative, then that's going to force all those insurance companies to go out of business along with the banks. I mean, there's just and oddly enough, if the banks go out of business, then they're going to lend less, which, again, goes back contracts,
1: to, the economy even more
2: and the money supply and velocity. Right. And it's just the economy is an extremely complex system. It's yep. got billions of variables and billions of transactions on a daily basis. It's just like the weather. Mm -hmm. One way I look at it is, you always hear those stories like in Florida or Australia where they've got a problem with like, let's call it uh, insects. Mm -hmm. They've got too many mosquitoes, so they introduce some frog from India
1: to eat the mosquitoes.
2: Right, and and in two years they've got a way worse frog problem than they had an insect problem. Then they bring in. Uh, otters or whatever yeah. eat the frogs and that yeah. creates an even bigger problem it's, it's a it's kicking
1: very, the can down yeah. the road problem right? yeah but yeah.
2: each time they kick that can down it, the road it, it becomes it gets, a bigger problem it yeah. typically exponentially yeah. Yeah. yeah right
1: right right with all this in mind what can people do uh mm-hmm. you know we, we we're we not going to influence or change the powers that be right. they're way too powerful they have their own agenda what should we do as individuals
2: I think the easiest thing you can do is if you own a home, make sure that you've got a fixed rate mortgage. Mm-hmm. That's number one. That's okay. something easy. It's, there's no excuse not to to have that. Right. Uh, I also like people to have a little bit of gold just as an insurance policy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like to have some diversification, but I'm not sure that everyone can do that. Let's see what else can everyone do. Also, I think educate yourself. Yeah, understand what's going on. You talk about a lot of the macro stuff on your show, which I think is really and, important.
1: And so do you, yes. Yeah, right.
2: but I mean, you've got a real estate-driven show and you're still talking about macro mm-hmm. and that's that's really, really important. It's, mm-hmm. I think maybe some other real estate investing podcasts might get kind of myopic in, right. in, in, in what okay. they're talking about. And you know what I've noticed with real estate investors is they're very good at bottoms-up analysis, mm-hmm. but they're horrible at tops down. Like, so, tell they, they, so they completely ignore it.
1: Yeah. What's that mean? Explain that a little
2: bit. So, I, I won't mention any. There, there's some online forums that are very popular mm-hmm. that yeah. I like a lot. Right. Yeah. But you go on there and see what these pros and right. these real estate investing experts yeah. are talking about. And it's always bottoms up stuff. It's mm-hmm. always about, well, this neighborhood and this, uh, you know, the population is increasing coming in or this zoning law is changing mm-hmm. or. It's always or I got uh, a great uh, deal. Uh, structure this yeah, right. deal okay. and all these things, yep. but then they completely ignore the Federal Reserve. They ignore interest rates. Mm-hmm. They like the interest rates when they're talking about you know how much it's going to cost me to finance. Right. But they never consider okay, our interest rate cycles, as an example. Sure. So if you go back to the 1700s, you can see that the interest rates in the United States have run in cycles about 20 to 30 years. Mm-hmm. Well, now we're 40 years into the last down cycle right. in interest rates starting in 1981. Okay. So if history repeats itself, and I'm not saying that it will, yeah. but the probability is pretty high that at some point in time, it, we're going to have another interest rate cycle that goes back up. Yeah. So the, the most real estate experts, as an example, probably don't even know that, that, that they're the not even thinking about that macro picture. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. That's a good point. And If and when we have that upcycle, all of those fixed rate mortgages that are in the hands of investors now will become a much more valuable asset Mm -hmm. because they won't be able to duplicate them. No, But anybody coming into the game after you, if you got one of those fixed rate mortgages they won't be able to get it. Correct. So they will not They will either not buy the property, which means a, a shortage in housing supply, mm-hmm. if there's fewer buyers, investor buyers, yeah, yeah. a shortage in rentals, or they have to pay a higher rate so they can't compete with you as effectively as offering their property for rent in the marketplace, right? Yeah, yeah. and
2: especially if it's due to inflation. If interest rates are going up as a result of inflation, or higher inflation expectations, mm-hmm. which would be most likely. I mean, we didn't talk about it, but the Fed has discussed pegging the yield curve like they did back in the uh, World War II. Mm-hmm. And if they're doing that, then they're going to let inflation run hot. And that's just another reason to have that fixed rate mortgage yeah. because inflation, if it exceeds the interest rate that you are paying, mm-hmm. that's a transfer of wealth yep. from the lender to the borrower. Yep. So you have to ask yourself, okay, if I can get a mortgage right now at 3.5%, let's just call it that.
1: Yeah, and you can.
2: Okay, so 3.5%. Yeah. Then you've got to ask yourself, okay, what is the real rate of inflation? Right. And, uh, and taking it to a, m- a more granular level, what is the real rate of rent inflation? Right. Because I think yeah. that's another thing that even if real estate investors do look at it from a macro perspective, they just look at inflation in general.
1: Versus rent inflation. But it's really about yeah, rent that's, that's inflation. That's a good point because you're using rent
2: to pay the mortgage right sure so it's really the differential between the rental rates and the mortgage that you're paying that, mm-hmm. that is a fixed cost right so even if cpi is going up at three percent but if rents are going up at six percent then there's that mm-hmm. differential then that's going to be that transfer of wealth because you're paying that loan back with fewer dollars Mm-hmm. Or, or let devalue dollars devalued dollars into dollars. Yeah. Yeah. the rent. That's important.
1: fantastic. I, I got to ask you, what does George Gammon think the rate of real inflation is? I mean, you know, the government mm-hmm. will tell us it's give or take 2% most yeah. of the time. Yeah. Uh, what do you think the, the real rate is? Of course, all my listeners know that it's it's manipulated in three ways, sure. weighting, substitution, and hedonic indexing. What do you think the real rate is? You're shadow stats guy. You like John Williams' work, right? I do. Yeah.
2: I do. I love it. But that would imply that they measured it correctly in the 70s.
1: Fair enough. Yeah, to have a reference point, yeah. a base. Yeah. yeah,
2: and I don't think that they can measure inflation effectively. It's just impossible. There's yeah. too many components to right. it. So if I had to throw out a number just on what I see when I'm and I'm not in the States much, but you know, when I go to Chipotle yep. when I'm in the States right. or I look at my health insurance mm-hmm. or the cost of – xyz Mm -hmm. i think compound has got to be going up at north of five percent i'd say at least six seven percent
1: so interestingly that math we talked about the three and a half percent mortgage if you borrow at three and a half percent even if you're paying the debt yourself and there's no renter ever okay and you get to deduct that interest and just for ease of numbers let's say your combined state and federal tax rate Is 50% because it's easy. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's 1.75% tax deduction. Mm -hmm. So you're really only paying 1.75%. And if inflation is five, wow. Mm -hmm. That's a phenomenal deal without ever renting your property. Yeah. Without even producing any income.
2: Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot, if you know what you're doing, there's a lot of advantages to real estate. Unfortunately, people think they just use that as a one-size-fits-all. Mm-hmm. Like, as an example, if you like Little Rock and I like Kansas City, right. well, that means that if I buy in L.A., well, I'm making the same decision as George and mm-hmm. Jason. You're definitely not. Because, yeah, yeah. You know, because I'm buying real estate. Right. And they yeah. just... They don't understand. And then also too, I think it's going back to what we were saying with education. It's important that even if you're a person that's a small time investor, or you want to buy a couple properties from your mm-hmm. network, yep. that you still listen to your podcast mm-hmm. and understand what's going on with quantitative easing, the Fed. The macro the, picture. The, absolutely. Yeah.
1: yeah. Absolutely. Very important. Good stuff. George, tell us where they can find your YouTube channel.
2: George Gammon is my name or georgegammon.com. And George's typical spelling. Gammon is G-A-M-M-O-N.
1: Excellent. George Gammon, thanks for joining us.
0: Thanks for having me. Grow smart, not big. One of the things that small business owners become quickly addicted to is the notion of growth. After all, the reason why most of us go into business in the first place is to make our mark on the world with a thriving, successful business. Now, to the entrepreneur, there is little in life that's more exciting than finding new business deals, building new relationships, and growing your business from a small, fledgling startup into a strong pillar of the community. What frequently gets lost in this scramble for success, though, is the ultimate goal that you're aspiring to achieve. For most business people, that goal is wealth and the time to enjoy life. Many entrepreneurs grow their way into wealth, but find that the more their business grows, the less time they have to enjoy anything. Now, the reason for this is because larger businesses have more problems to solve. More customers mean more decision-makers to please, more deals to renegotiate, and more times that issues need to be smoothed over if something doesn't go according to plan. The trap that many business people fall into is that they start their business by doing everything themselves and then continue to do everything themselves until they are so stressed out that a nervous breakdown ensues. In most cases, the root of this problem comes from a fundamental misunderstanding of what business owners are attempting to achieve. Many think that the goal is to achieve more revenue, but the real goal is to achieve more economic freedom. There are two fundamental elements that make up economic freedom. One is money, and the other is time. Now, both are necessary to live your dreams, and neither is sufficient without the other. The problem that's created by growth obsession is that a business will expand its way into lots of money, but will do so by dominating all of the owner's time. This apparent paradox is the exact opposite of economic freedom. Instead of building the money and time to follow your dreams, you've built a steady stream of money that requires you to constantly invest all of your time in order to keep it flowing. The alternative to this model is growing smart instead of growing big. The difference between growing big and growing smart is one of paradigms. The way that your paradigms are shaped will determine how your business grows. Consider the paradigm difference between growing big and growing smart. First, growing big. You increase revenue as fast as possible by finding deals and growing production. Income per year of work is what matters. You say, I need to spend time managing and growing my business, or I need every customer that I can get. Expansion is how I will grow revenue. I don't trust anybody else to run my business the right way. And without my constant effort, this business will fail. Let's compare that to growing smart where you increase revenue through innovations that allow you to become more efficient and spend less time earning your next dollar of income and income per hour of work rather than year of work is what matters. You say I need to eliminate the aspects of my business that waste time but don't produce income and I focus on customers that produce the most value for my business. Also Expansion only makes sense if my systems are already automated. You decide, I must trust somebody else to run my business the right way. And, a business that requires my constant effort isn't one that I want to run. You see, in the end, growth is what fuels business. It's the reason why you ventured out from the apparent safety of employment to create an enterprise of your own. Ultimately, it's the way that you grow which will determine how or whether you achieve economic freedom. By avoiding the common fallacy that bigger must be better, it allows you to grow in a way that is smarter and consistently pushes you closer to a future of wealth, time, and freedom. Action item. Shift your business paradigms to grow smart instead of big. Avoid the trap that many entrepreneurs fall into where growing revenue eats up your time until you have no time left to do anything but work. Always remember that economic freedom is achieved when you have both money and time. One without the other will be of little use in helping you achieve your goals.
1: go to iTunes or Stitcher Radio or whatever platform you're using and write a review for the show. We would very much appreciate that. And be sure to make it official and subscribe so you do not miss any episodes. We look forward to seeing you on the next episode.
0: With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.